Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dauber Prospects Report. This is report number 31. I'm Victor Nuno, one of the co-hosts here, and with me is Peter Harling. How are you doing, Pete? Hello, Nuno. Victor, I'm good, man. I'm good. I heard you're, you were just staying in Vancouver, taking in an NHL game, doing some scouting for the podcast, no doubt. How was that trip? Yeah, it was great. I was with a, with a bunch of people that I play Fantasy League with and some other met Ian Gooding in person. That was fun. And I was there with a bunch of Canadians, the only one wearing shorts, by the way. All you, all the Canadians there were wearing pants and long jackets. So let's just, let's just, <laughs> you live in California. That. Do you even own pants? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it did get cold enough at night for sure to wear pants, but <laughs> no, it was a good time. We went to a WHL game. Fraser Minton was the only guy that really was uh, of note there in that game. And he was, fine for most of the game he wasn't super impressive but at the end he he kind of took over and willed a goal in which was kind of fun to see but no it was really fun to to watch a dub game the the quality is is much higher than i than i thought um they were they were pretty good and even though they weren't like stars on on either team that was fun we went to a canucks game that was that was fun they destroyed the oilers i think they actually got their coach fired <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> kind of fun for anyone not an oiler fan <laughs> yeah so was that your first chl live game yeah, so it was the first games I've watched outside of the U.S. actually, so that was kind of oh, wow. Cool. What was the what was the atmosphere like in comparison to what you're used to? I'm really curious to see what you because you go to junior games or AHL games in in California, right? So yeah, what was the 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 atmosphere contrast? Well, yeah, we don't have junior games here, at least not close enough for me to go to. But right. the man, the junior game was awesome. Everyone was so into it. And, you know, heckling the players and you're so close. I mean, 25 Canadian were sitting second row. That was fantastic. Really good vibe there. Really easy to to go to a game like, you know, free parking and cheap con- concessions. That was great. Mm-hmm. The Canucks game was insane. I mean, just in the concourse and like everything going on at that game on a Monday night was definitely more than any game i've been to in san jose like on a weekend or anything like it's just a it was battle of you know two prominent canadian teams too so that probably helped but yeah it was intense there were tons of oiler fans there there were and obviously they got quieted a little bit but it was really it was really intense it was really fun definitely um you know like i've been to sharks playoff games and that was more intense i would say but for a random monday night it was it was really awesome we should we should go on a road trip, meet in the middle somewhere, and go to an NCAA college game. I've seen some NCAA games on on TV, and man, that's an atmosphere that I want to go to. They got the band playing, they got the hometown section, they got the visiting town section, and it's it looks like a a really great atmosphere. And um, I can really only mainly speak to the you know the CHL teams in my neck of the woods here: Kingston, Ottawa, Peterborough, Oshawa. I've been to all those those cities and some cities are better than others. Kingston's pretty quiet. Uh, but man, I would love to go to an NCAA game. That sounds awesome. We should definitely do it. All right. On with the show. All right. In today's report, we're going to talk about some prospects from the QMJHL that have caught our eye. And to do that, we will be talking to Dauber Prospects, LA King Scout and QMJHL feature writer Sean Crocker. Before we get started, I want to remind you that Dauber Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're very excited to be part of the army of fantastic hockey podcasts. Check out at HockeyPodNet for all the shows like this one, talking hockey from fantasy to team coverage to you name it. You can also use the DraftKings promo code THPN for listening to the show. We're on that in a bit. The DPR show is proudly sponsored by Fantrax. Fantrax is the ultimate league manager. For any dynasty sport you play, it's completely customizable for however you want to set up your league from 
scoring categories, an amazing draft room to host the draft, draft pick trading and treasury option. So, so much more. Use our promo code to sign up for a free league using the link fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. All right, on with the show. Well, let's get on with the show and welcome our guest, Dauber Prospects' own LA Kings scout and writer and our Quebec Major Junior Hockey League feature writer, Sean Crocker. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm super excited to be here. I love the show. I love all the stuff. And uh, no, I'm looking forward to talking about the queue. A first time, long time. Nice. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I mean, hopefully first first of many. We'll see how this one goes. But no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly really looking forward to it. So am I, because as I mentioned just before we started here, that I admittedly don't follow the queue as much as I do some of the other leagues. So when we started doing the prep for this and I was putting names together, I'm like, oh, man, I am out of my wheelhouse. Another thing I noticed was that there weren't very many NHL drafted prospects in the top like 50 of the league and scoring. So maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get some insight on that as we go through this. So what we're going to do today, Sean, is we've been kind of doing this little theme the last few weeks where we get guests on who are specialists in each league in the CHL. We had Brock Otten on for the O and we had Joel Henderson on for the dub and you're our Q guy. So we're going to talk about a couple of prospects that are off to good starts that are on the fantasy radar for a lot of people. And there's some players on here who have uber low, Fantrax rostership and there's some draft eligible guys this week we're even going to talk about a couple draft plus players i think plus ones and plus twos even on the list to talk about so those guys are always interesting and, and debatable what their real value is so let's get to it first guy we got on doc is justin gill center for bay como dracar and he is drafted by the new york islanders and his Fantrax rostership is uber low. He is 1% Fantrax rostered. Like, I'm sure he's available in your league. See, he is leading the league in scoring in the queue right now. He's got 16 games under his belt, at least by the time I did my prep. And eight goals, 22 assists for 30 points, good for almost two points a game, 1.88. So this is a guy, he's, he's 20 years old. So he's an overager for the league, if I'm not mistaken. He's an 03 born guy. He was drafted in 2023, so he was like a D plus two draft. I guess that would. Make I, I I think he was, yeah. Right. So he was drafted in the fifth round, 145th by the Islanders, as I mentioned. So one thing about that being a late draft and an overage guy in in CHL is a sh- it's a short wait time for him to turn pro. Like he's going to be in the pros next year. So he's one percent rostership. If he keeps playing the way he's playing, that'll go up. And maybe you don't want to wait until he turns pro and gets into the American Hockey League before you start considering squirreling him away in your prospect bench because he's 20 years old and one year in the AHL, I think, will be all you need to know for sample size as to whether or not this is a player you want to continue to roster or if it's time to cut bait. So he's he's also six foot one, 190 center. What's what's the goods that the deal on Justin Gill? Is this a player I should be putting on my prospect watch list or just adding him or maybe not? Well, I think he's one you definitely have to watch. Like the the thing I, I've always marveled with Just, Justin Gill is he he always seems to be under the radar. So this is like the first season to me that he's really stood out as the marquee player on his team. Last year they had Joshua Waugh and uh, on on the Sherbrooke Phoenix, and he he just purely overshadowed the fact that Justin Gill had forty four goals and like ninety like over ninety points, right? So then 
you're you're talking about Ethan Gauthier, so like uh, on that same Sherbrooke team. So like already you got two guys overshadowing him. So now he he's really just getting the spotlight on the the car. But again, he he literally just scored ninety plus points, and he's well on his way to break that again. So the the thing with Justin Gill, he he's a very smart player, and and that's going to be something that plays to his advantage when he turns pro. He's always predicting where the play is going to go, what's going to happen. Like every single time I watch him, like he, he's always ahead of me. Like I can see the whole ice when I'm watching, and like uh, I'm I'm still amazed that he he knows exactly where it's going, and he, he's able to use that to dictate the play. He's he's able to do that to plan out his uh, skating routes finding his teammates and and even winning puck battles. So, he, you know, he he's definitely a guy who could, you know, stumble into some points, I guess, on accident, for lack of a better term, just by winning those battles. But, you know, he, he reminds me a lot uh, from a few years ago of uh, William Dufour, where, he, you know, he, he was a star in the league. He, he sort of flew under the radar, but then he had that game in the Memorial Cup where he scored four goals. He scored seven goals in four games that tournament. And now all of a sudden he's on the fantasy radar. He, just scored 46 points in 60 something games uh with Bridgeport so you know I think it's a similar tra- uh, trajectory for him and uh, so I think that alone put should put him on the fantasy radar so you're a fan you like him why why do you think he's under the radar so so badly right now why why the lack of love what's the what's the pause for concern why was he overlooked in two drafts well on on like to be honest with you I'm not even sure like his, his skating has slowly improved over time and honestly for me when when evaluating a player skating shouldn't be something that you're necessarily putting a whole lot of stock into so i think he he's a smart enough player that he he was able to overcome those things and now all of a sudden he he's a dynamite player because he has overcome those things and now he he's getting a look with the islanders organization and he'll probably play with bridgeport next year instead of going to the echl so like like he He'll get a look pretty quick, I think. And and like like you said about trying to get those guys on the short track, I think Justin Gill is on the short track. And, you, you know, the Islanders aren't exactly flush with prospects. So I think he is going to be someone to look out for to potentially get a look in the bottom six and even potentially on a power play. Like he, he's got above average offensive tools and awareness. So, you know, I think that that's one of those things where I'm not entirely sure how a guy like that can get overlooked. Well, you're not wrong about the Islanders being thin on prospects. Yeah, um, I was going to say, not flush with prospects is a dramatic understatement, Sean. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I need to times that by maybe a thousand. But even then, yeah, it's good to know that there's someone who might be interesting in that pipeline, though. That's for sure. So thank you for the goods on Justin Gill. The next guy we're going to talk about is Matthew Cataford. So he is a right wing for the Halifax Mooseheads, Vegas Golden Knights draft pick, third round, 2023. So 77th overall, 5'11", 190 pound right wing, as I mentioned. So this is his third season in the queue, and he's been with Halifax the whole time. He was last season in his draft season. He was just over a point per game with 75 points in 68 games. This season, he's got off to a really hard start, hot start with 26 points in 16 games. So tell us a little bit about Matthew Cataford and what you kind of like about him. You know, honestly, I think Matthew Cataford is probably the best. Like he, he's probably my favorite player to talk about from just a player evaluation perspective. And and j- 
just from personal bias, you know, I, I see a lot of Mooseheads hockey and he he reminds me a lot of kind of like the the Michael Bunting ilk of player. He he he's not going to blow the hinges off the door with his raw talent, but he he complements the players around him very well. He wins puck battles. He he's also able to drive the play. And and as we're seeing this season, like he he's almost two points per game, and a lot of that production came even before Jordan Dumais returned to the Mooseheads. And you, you know the same for his linemate Mar- Marcus Vitacek, but. He's also shown that he can play down in the lineup as well. So I, I, I think he, he's going to be an incredible utility player in the NHL. But that on its own isn't enough to drive fantasy value, as we know. Because, you know, if you're too too good in one facet of the game as he is, and he, he's really good defensively, is that, you know, that could come back to bite you in your point production, which, I mean, it, it does put a damper on him fantasy-wise. But the fact that he can complement those players, again, like like the Michael Bunting types who who could play high up in your lineup, play with your stars. And honestly, I think that that's a bit of a misconception that anyone could just go play with your stars. And honestly, I don't know if anyone in the league does it better than him. You know, sometimes it's just as important to get a realistic take on these guys and not just, you know, hype for all the guys. So it's good to know that, you know, like maybe a Michael Bunting type, which, you know, has value, but maybe, uh, you know, not top of your fantasy lineup kind of value, right? No, exactly, and 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 I think that that's exactly what you should that you would be getting with Matthew Catford is, you know, and you might be rostering him in deep release, even even in shallow release. Like you might be looking to stream him at points throughout his career. He he's definitely someone that you should look to stash. I actually got him with the last pick in one of my prospect drafts last summer. So, uh, I like I definitely think he's a player that you could definitely harvest some value from. I wouldn't go expecting gaudy numbers or point per game numbers but you know he he's definitely a guy who can play stretches with those top guys and generate some offense just by the fact that he can win the battles and and honestly like he, he's a pretty solid skater too so he finds a way to get into those areas and i think that alone carries value is he a player that you see additional value in for you know the banger leagues that count hits and stuff is he is he that kind of a player I think there can be now. I think that there does tend to be an overstatement sometimes with guys like that that they that oh like they're the the grinder on the line so they're going to hit and throw the body. But I think what makes him a grinder is more so that he gets into the paint, he gets in your face, and so like I I do think that he will have value in multi category leagues, just not in the way that we think. He likes to shoot the puck. He, he he throws the body from time to time, but I, I think he, he's going to carry value in leagues that count shots and uh, th- those kinds of offensive stats rather than bangers. Right on. Okay, so the next guy on the list is Alexander Blaze, left winger, Ramuski Oceanic, and he is a 2024 draft eligible prospect. He was not given a, a letter rank on the preliminary rankings by... Uh, Central Scouting, he's on their, their watch list. He's got 18 games, 12 goals, 15 assists for 27 points. That's a point and a half per game for those who struggle with math. He is a, a November born, so he's kind of a late birthday for the draft cycle. So he missed last year's draft. So he's playing in his third season in the queue right now. And last year, and if he was born two months earlier in what would have been his draft year, he put 42 points up in 64 games, which is good, but not like, you know, super great. It's not definitely putting you on the draft radar. This year, however, 
his his pace is 102 points is what he's on on point for. So the last time I checked, that's that's pretty good. So Alexander Blaze passed not passed over in the draft, but a uh, uh, late born on the watch list. Is this a guy that you see definitely getting drafted? And if if he does squeak in and you know like the the fifth rounder later or something along along those lines. Would this be a good example of a player who's who's worth swinging for in one of your later rounds of a deep fantasy draft? Well, I would think so. Yeah, like I mean, a, like a guy with that kind of upside, like he 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 just has very good offensive tools, and along with the level of tenacity that sort of allows him to complement his own tools in a way. So, like I mean, you like you're always looking for line mates to complement each other, but he complements himself in a way where he's always crashing the net. He's always looking for loose pucks. And like, I, I, I swear every time I watch him, he always scores a goal where he, he's just waiting at the side of the net for the puck to come loose and, and he just bangs it in. So he, he scores goals like that, but he, he also just has a wicked wrist shot where he, he could just one touch, just release it. Like he, he might have the best wrist shot in the QMJHL this year. And, you know, like it's, it, it's showing he's already up to 12 goals and it, it really does feel like he, he's got a magnet on his stick for the puck. And I, and, and I think that's benefiting him. Like he, he just has tremendous control. So I think he's going to be a guy where if, if he's utilized correctly, he's going to have the puck on his stick quite a bit. And I, I think that that is only positive. I mean, you're at very least breaking even in, in fantasy terms, but in, in real life terms, he, he's definitely a guy that I would look to, to potentially even be like a play driver, even if he's a few years out from, even getting a sniff at the NHL just based on his diminutive size. But overall, I, I, I do think that he's the player that you should look to if you can get him in the later rounds, depending how deep your prospect pools are or your league. But he, he's definitely a, a guy that I'd be looking to to harvest late uh, round value. Well, there's a lot of season left to play out. So who knows? He could play his way right into early round consideration and not only fantasy drafts, but the NHL draft. So Alexander Blay, I think, is uh, is a name to kind of put on your watch list for now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention his linemate, Quinn Kennedy, who is also draft eligible this year. And and he, he he's an interesting one to me. Now, he, he has a very interesting trajectory because he, he had five points in 41 games last year. And now he's on pace to crack the point per game mark for the first time in, in his draft year. So quite the step forward for him. Uh, he, he's another player who just flies under the radar. Uh, he, he actually scored a goal against the Mooseheads. I think it was last week and it, it was a tying goal and all, all the guys were focused on play. So all these players were drawn into this guy that they know has the shot. But Kennedy was right in in the low slot there who received the pass and he just ripped it. And he he's just one of those players who, who's going to fly under the radar. He, he's going to find ways to go undetected. And I think that that's going to benefit him in so many different ways. And, you know, for a smaller player like him, I think that's important. Speaking of smaller players, the next guy we're going to talk about, Jordan Dumay. He is definitely fits that bill. And he was a Columbus draft pick, 2022 third round. And we know the reason why. He's five foot nine, 174 pounds. I don't think he's really grown much since the draft year. Maybe put on a little bit of weight. But he has basically just put up tons and tons of points since being drafted. And he did really well in his draft season. Not like he didn't. 109 points in 68 games, then 140 in 64 games. 
like video game numbers here. 21 points in eight games so far in the queue. Just really ridiculous. And I'd love to hear what you think about what he's done this year and what is realistic projection, how all these skills that he has, how how are they going to translate to the NHL? Because I think that's part of the worry here. Like, is he just a really amazing Q player or is he really going to be able to do that at the next level, which, you know, obviously is really important for all of us that want him in our fantasy rosters. So what do you think about Jordan Dumais? Well, I think he he's honestly probably one of the ones that has skyrocketed the most the last few years on fantasy rosters, just people trying to get that extra little bit of juice into their prospect pipeline. But, you know, he, he's a very smart player and, and I think he understands and and he's shown that he, he can also play on the defensive side of the puck. And so he, he has the ability to open up those gaps and close, close them in his own end. So he, he's great in transition. He's got a great shot, uh, but he's, he's very much pass first, but as far as a realistic projection, you know, I, I I could see him being more of a complimentary middle six forward rather than the star on on Columbus or really an NHL team. But you know, he he's definitely a guy who could put up points. Now, you might have to shelter him at the NHL level, and and again, like the the whole size bias definitely contributed to him falling a bit in the draft rankings when he when he's arguably a first round talent. But even then, like his edge work with his skating wasn't particularly good in his draft year. I think that that was like the main criticism and part of the reason he fell, because when you're 5'9", frankly, like you need to be a smarter, quicker, better skater than than most of your class there. So I think for Dume, he, he's worked on his skating. He's gotten better around the edges. He He's uh, gained a little bit of acceleration and explosiveness. But I think really he he's one of those wait and see guys. Like you're going to have to see how he adapts to the big league game there. And I'm I'm not sure it's going to happen. But like he, it's very much like a boom bust kind of situation to me. But it, but I think that there is a healthy medium here where he could land in maybe like a perennial fifty fifty five point territory. But with with the right line mates, he he could definitely climb the rankings in that regard. So looking at hockey prospecting he has the third most star potential of anyone there adam fentilli denton matechuk ahead of him behind him is kent johnson who seems to be having a little bit of trouble translating his skills i imagine if you are a jordan dumay roster or on fan tracks or in your fantasy league you would send him for kent johnson would you agree with that like in a trade yeah I would hold Kent Johnson personally. I mean that that might just be the pedigree. I I think it's too early to give up on on Kent Johnson. But well, that's I what mean, I mean. Well, would you rather Kent Johnson or Dumay? I was suggesting you might want Johnson. Yeah. Oh. Oh. No. For sure. Yeah. No. I think Johnson's the one you want. But I do think I think there is a case to be made for Dumay. You know, like I think ju- just a player of, of that caliber. Like you can't ignore it. But I, I, again, like we're like a a big thing I know, like at Dauber, we talk about the breakout thresholds, and and I can't help but feel like Jordan Dumais is going to be part of that longer breakout threshold, with like closer to the 400 games as opposed to the 200, because you know, like I like, well, what is the like the exact um de- definition of like of like an exceptionally sized player, like for on, like on the smaller end, because I know that like when you get down to the five nine, five eight, like you're, you're like, you're starting to talk about the exceptionally sized where they could break through later. 
I'm not sure what Dauber uses as his threshold for big players versus small players. There's a medium player. I feel like it's Blades of Steel, right? Where you got the like the scrawny skilled guy and the medium sized guy, and then, and then the big guy that just pulls through players. Yeah, no, there's there's a difference for the the threshold though, where it's 200 or 400 games. Smaller players are sooner, and bigger players are later. I'm not sure what what the matrix is for that formula. Yeah, usually it's a bit older that takes longer, but I, I see your point too. It might also take him a bit longer to translate. Oh, exactly. And I mean, when you're dominating like junior hockey for so long, like like there there's just all sorts of different lessons you're gonna have to learn along the way. But I think that's more like a I guess a quote unquote re- real life kind of issue that he's gonna run into. But look, he he has the smarts. He definitely has the awareness to play in in the professional game. But I I think it's just a matter of, is he gonna put all the pieces of the puzzle together? Like he he can't be a one dimensional player. I mean I guess you could, but I don't think he he's going to necessarily carry that value if if he stays one dimensional he he needs to enhance just his all around game in order to get that opportunity or you know it just might not come which kind of makes him boom bust all right so moving on to our next player that was jordan dumay so let's talk a little bit about the moncton wildcats yon loshing y-o-a-n not johan just yon he's a d plus one player He's got 15 games going so far this season. 12 goals, 10 assists, 22 points, 1.47 points per game. Another player on the undersized side coming in at 5'10", 163. In his rookie season, I mean, he's been a pretty consistent scorer his whole career in the queue. He put up 50 points as a rookie, 57 in his draft year. And now he's having a breakout year where he's on pace to pretty much double that at 95 points. Is this a player you can see being uh, a draft target as a D plus one guy? I would think so. Yeah. Like he, he, he got a look with the Colorado avalanche at the training camp this year. He was ultimately sent back to Moncton, but he, he was a player. So in the 2019, 20 season, Moncton had like, was absolutely stacked and, and they, they were led by guys like Jacob Peltier, Benoit Olivier Gruel, just, just players like that who, who dominated in the queue, who who were just absolute stars. And he he sort of came in to fill those boots. And when all those players departed, he he just kind of had nothing around him. Like the team was just in perennial rebuild mode, as is the circle of life in junior hockey. But you know, ultimately, like now Moncton's finally coming to their own, and you saw it last year. He scored over thirty goals, um, and add on to what he's doing now like i think he's on pace for over 50 now he's a player who again like the the theme here is just a smart player but like he he's he's very much on the skilled side where he brings a few traits that some of these other guys don't he plays bumper on the power play a lot and honestly half the time he he looks like the defenseman on the power play like winding up for the one timers and he he just got such a heavy shot and it always seems to find a way through the traffic he he just has a nose a nose to find the net, and I I don't think that could be understated. Like you know, you talk about guys who are just natural scorers, and I think Loshing to an extent falls under that kind of criteria. Like he he just naturally knows when to shoot, how to shoot, and sort of just just how to get it through traffic. Half the time, like you're just shooting, and it's just hitting bodies in the in in front. That was awesome. I love how you gave context to the three seasons that he's had so far, and and you know, what the teams were like that he played on. It, it really, it really gives them some valuable insight to just, you know, reading the stat line and what went behind putting up those numbers and what was the contributing factors of why some seasons 
we're trending up and flat and now back up again. So that's that's pretty awesome. So that's Jan Loshing. Victor, do you got another guy? Yeah, so let's move on to the next guy, Antonin Vero. So he is a undrafted left wing for the Royal Narada Huskies. I believe he's a D plus two because he has played, this is his fourth season in the queue. And he is small. That's probably part of the reason. 5'8", 163 pounds. He was previously with Gatineau, though. So this move to the to the Huskies has been pretty fruitful for him. He struggled. Well, I don't know that you could say struggled, but he hasn't yet put up a point per game previous to this season. And then this season, he currently has 26 points in 17 games. So it seems like things are going a little bit better for him this season. So what can you tell us about Anton Vro? And is he someone who we should potentially be thinking about adding to our rosters if we can? He's not yet affiliated with the team yet, so as far as I know. Yeah, and Antonin Vero, he, he he actually won. He, he was on the all-rookie team one year. And, and that same year, I believe he won QMJHL Rookie of the Year. So he, he has the pedigree. He, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Now, in the, and, and of course, last year, he, he was traded to the Gatineau Olympics where they they went on j- just like this ridiculous run where they won like 20 in a row or something like that recorded points in 25 in a row and, and he was the major contributor to that but he was still under the point per game mark but now this year he he's on pace like to nearly like he, he's more than doubling his production so i think in a way like it's almost buyer beware you know you have to sort of look and see what what the trajectory of these guys are and for Vero, he he is a smart player he he understands like he he sees the gaps he utilizes his space and and he doesn't need a whole lot to make the play now again like with with the trajectory i i would just be a little weary like that is a very steep trajectory to sort of take on at this point in your career now that being said, he he has refined his skating. He he's become a stronger skater. He's got a stronger first step than he had. So the this could be the first sign of the pieces coming together, or you know it could just be a little flash in the pan. I I lean towards the latter. I I think this kid's for real. I think he has the skill, but you know at five foot eight, you know I I'm not sure an NHL team will take a chance on that in the draft. Like I I don't think he'll go in the draft. I think if anything he's going to be it undrafted free agent but even we saw in in previous years with guys like joshua lawrence who absolutely tore up the league last year he had like a he, he was winning 50 percent of his base offs and he still only ended up in europe and nhl team didn't take the chance on him so he you know like i think that he he's kind of in the same boat where he's good he's gonna have a chance to showcase this on a contending huskies team in ruin aranda and you know just being in that spotlight alone probably benefits him but he he's someone that I would keep on the radar for sure now, but with with a grain of salt, you know, just to don't get too excited on this guy. Wait and see how the season plays out, and wait and see what kind of situation he lands in because I think that'll di- dictate a lot of his value. Yeah, it's always tricky to like read which what what do we got here with this overage player that's having a breakout season as you know as a D plus two or a twenty year old overager and in junior hockey that's that's having this monster year that's catching everybody's attention with his stat lines but what's the context what do we what do we actually have is this a player that's going to be able to produce at the professional level let alone the nhl is this a late bloomer or is this just a, an older player taking advantage of younger peers it's you know you, it's really hard to tell without actually watching the games live 
it is or talking to someone like yourself that watches them well and and i i think he he's always had the skill He's always been close to the point per game mark. Like he had 29 points in 38 games last year with Gatineau, 46 in 56 the previous year before there. It's so like he, he has had the talent and he's hovered around that mark, but it, it is a little steep to go from 10 goals last year, 14 goals the year before. And now he's, he's on pace to nearly quadruple that total with a 44 goal pace. So, you know, I think that's a buyer beware kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, the talent's there, but will he reach that at the next level or can he? Well, that's the real trick with scouting, isn't it? Right. To, be yeah, able wow. to, to find the, 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 the real value and, and then the, the fool's gold. It, it, exactly. And I, I do think there is real value, but I'm not sure uh, NHL teams will say the same. Yeah. Well, time is the ultimate judge there. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's talk about Justin Poirier now. He is a a 2024 draft eligible prospect who got a C ranking. And he is leading the queue in goals. He's got 19 goals, sorry, 17 goals in 19 games. Only four assists, though. So 21 points and 17 of them are goals. So I guess you could say he's a shooter. And he's 5'8", 181. So I'm not sure if that qualifies as a small player. He's, he's short. There's no doubt about that. But at 181, hopefully that's, that's 181 pounds of muscle and the guy's just a little fire hydrant. He had 48 points in 56 games as a rookie. So that's that's pretty decent, actually. And then in seven playoff games, sorry, nine playoff games last year, he put up another seven points. And then he started this season off at the Halinka with four points in five games, two goals, two assists. So he's on pace right now for a 61-goal season, which would be difficult to ignore. But what's with the lack of assists on this player? And what's, what's his, his scouting profile look like? Well, it's definitely a shoot first mentality. Um, Justin Poirier, and and I'll say it like it may be an unpopular opinion with a lot of scouts. I I see him as a borderline first round talent, and here's why. I think his his release is almost it's almost NHL ready. He he's an excellent skater, and he he uses that ability to work around the edges, force plays from the defenders below the hash marks and the goal line, and ultimately he he causes havoc which forces these turnovers and ultimately gets the puck back onto his stick. Now, he he looked absolutely fantastic with Macklin Celebrini in the U-17 Summer Showcase. I think it was last year or or this year, one, one or the other. But he, either way, he, he showed extreme chemistry with, with, with those players. So while he is a shoot-first player and while he can drive the play, he also has the ability to complement those guys. Now, a, a, a lot of his like trajectory actually kind of reminds me of Jordan Dumas and how, you know, he, he was kind of hovering on average. And then in his draft year, he's exploding. And I wouldn't be shocked to see him, even if he eclipses, say, say he even regresses to the 50 goal mark this year. I wouldn't be shocked if he eclipsed the 60 goal mark next year or even, well, and, and I know that this is a little gaudy here, but, he, you know, 70, like, he, he's just that good. Like, he, he's just so good at getting into those open spaces and 
utilizing his shot. Like he, he doesn't need a whole lot to shoot at. He doesn't need a whole lot of time and space and, and his release is quick. It, it's lethal. So Justin Poirier is definitely a guy I'm watching and, and honestly hoping he, he rises in the draft rankings there. Cause I, I think he, he could be a slam dunk pick later in the second round, but, or even work his way up into the borderline first round talent kind of conversation. We should also mention that he's the brother of Jeremy Poirier, who is six foot one. So there's a pretty good chance that he grows a little bit. He's also one of the youngest in this draft class because he was born September 4th. So just like less than about 10 days or so from being eligible for the following draft. So there's a lot of runway here. So that's that's pretty exciting. Well, it was also the same kind of conversation, too. I know that you guys had that same kind of conversation with Lane Hudson, too, where he he, he was, what, like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, in, in his draft year, and I think he's, what, 5'11", now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, so, you know, these kids are 16, 17, 18. Like, they're still growing. So, you know, like, I think if you look at 5'8", I, I would take Justin Poirier at 5'8", let alone if he grows to be 5'11", 6 foot. Yeah, of course, Hudson had the evidence of his growth plates and all that. So uh, I don't I don't know that that Poirier is going to going to need that, partly because he has a brother who's tall. So maybe that helps him a bit. But uh, anyways, if he if he does have that, I'm sure it'll help his draft value. But maybe we want that to be lower so we can get value on him right? in our leagues. <laughs> well, 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 exactly. And, and you know, like he he's one of those guys, I think. I think even someone like Jordan Dume, who who lit the league on fire last year, he he got a pretty extended look at Blue Jackets camp. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Poirier follow the same kind of path where he he's going to come in next year. He's going to dominate. And then he's going to get that long extended look with the chance to actually crack the roster the following year. Maybe not with a great chance to do so, but you know, ultimately a chance. And, and sometimes that's all you need to really uh, make that kind of impression, both in the NHL and in the fantasy world. Indeed. All right. So let's move on to, I think this is, the last guy, and that is Maxim Masse. Masse? I'm not sure. Masse. So, Masse. Okay. And he is a 2024 draft eligible. It looks like on the consolidating rankings, he's right around 19. Some people have him closer to the end of the first round or maybe a little mid to earlier in the first round. He is a six foot one right wing and he plays for Takutumi. And so, so far this season, he has 19 points in 18 games. Last season, he was also with Shikudami, and he had just under a point per game. So pretty strong D minus one season for Masse, and he's a right wing, uh, six foot one, 181 pounds. So what can you tell us about Maxim Masse? Well, among all the players in the queue, honestly, I'm glad we saved him for last because he he's honestly the cream of the crop. He you know he he justified his talent with his tra- trophy cabinet in his rookie season. He was CHL All-Rookie Team, CHL Rookie of the Year, QMJHL All-Rookie Team, QMJHL Offensive Rookie of the Year, and QMJHL Rookie of the Year. So he he has the pedigree. He dominated at the Gretzky-Holenka tournament this summer. And, you know, I think early on, he's kind of failed to dominate in that same way in the queue. And now when, when I watch him, what I see is a player who his skating hasn't quite caught up with his size. And for a bigger player, he he still has a strong stride now. Like the, he he doesn't quite have the technique down, and he sometimes falls behind the play. But he he does have the ability and the strength to sort of work his way in. And sometimes you do see him just force the play. And and what like for 
for better or for worse, he, he forces it. Sometimes it causes turnovers and, and other times it, it results in goals. So I, I think he, he has potential to become sort of a newer age kind of power forward, one who can be a jack of all trades, who, who can kill penalties, one who can score goals, play on your power play. And frankly, I think he does fall into that. And, you know, I, I, I would like to see him dominate a little bit more, sort of take over the games that he did last year. And, and he's slowly getting there. Now, I, I could see him being more of a commodity in multi-category formats than, than I could in points leagues. I, I do see him being a mid-range kind of points player, but for leagues that count shots, he, he's a player who loves to shoot. He throws the body from time to time. So he, he's definitely someone I'd have on my radar in those formats. But overall, for the players that are projected to go this year in the queue, he's definitely the cream of the crop. Nice. Yeah, we always like to hear about those guys who have good peripheral coverage. Wait, yeah, wait. no, I absolutely. And, and, you know, honestly, Massey might be one of my favorite players in, in recent memory to have watched in person. And, you know, frankly, I, I, I think he, he's someone who could end up going top 10 in draft day. I mean, it really sucks for all, all of us wanting to get good value on him on, on, on our fantasy draft days. And, but unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. So, you know, I've seen him ranked in between as high as eight overall, all the way down to the mid 20s. So he, he's one of those rangy guys, and he could be one of those players who throws an action to everyone's plans on draft day, you know, goes earlier than a lot of people expected, and then everyone's trying to scramble. So he, he's definitely a wild card, and honestly, a wild card worth taking a chance on in your league. I was just looking him up, and he has half a about half a hit half a block per game with almost four shots in the queue so that's pretty good pretty good multi hit but and, and he actually didn't hit that much last year so he's actually upped his hits quite a bit so that's that's nice to see if i was yeah, gonna absolutely. have someone snipe my my player in a draft i'd rather it be like a round before i was gonna pick him than the pick before i was gonna pick him talking about getting your picks cherry picked it from yeah. right before you i'd rather i'd rather miss by a mile than than the, like the guy on on cue for me is get gets one pick before me that's that's always a killer well well that happened to me last year with dimashev and when he went sixth overall I, I was doing one of my drafts then and when he went sixth overall he immediately went to pick before me and i said damn it arizona <laughs> i was i was at the draft in in dallas and i was talking to carolina scout he was scouting for Carolina at the time. Mike Dawson he's with Seattle now. I gave him heck for making such good picks. As these are all guys that I had identified as players I could get in like the fifth and sixth round of my draft. And now I'm going to have to pick like I can get one of them in the second round if I'm lucky. So thanks for nothing, pal. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and for if, for every one of those guys you get, you get the guys like the Andrew Crystals who who fell to the second round and you might get be able to get them later on. But you know, even then, like a lot of those guys come with higher pedigree and, yeah. you know, like it's, it's just tough overall. And, and it really makes you hate those teams. Yeah. Yeah. Or like their prospect pools. Sean, that's all, that's all the time we got for uh, the QMJHL talk today. Yeah. It's really great insight on these players. And you brought a lot of, a lot of value to the show that I just wouldn't have been able to do. And I don't think Victor's seen these guys any more than I have. So we really appreciate your your insight and your input here 
for anyone of our, our listeners who are, are agreeing with my sentiment there and want to find out how can I get more of this Sean guy? Tell us where we can find you, man. Where do you do your work? Well, I, I, I do some of my work with uh, recruit scouting currently. I'm on Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. And, uh, you know, I do the QMJHL update here for Dauber. So if, if you want to follow any of my stuff, I'll have a lot more QMJHL content uh, coming out here as I'll be diving a lot more into the weeds. Not not just on the top guys, but, you know, on a lot of the guys below the surface. So I'm going to have a lot more content coming out. So follow me at Shawnee underscore hockey on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, no, I'll definitely have some great content coming your way. Right on, pal. Thanks so much for your time. This is awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, Victor, that was a pretty cool little interview talking Quebec Major Junior Hockey League prospects with Sean. And, you know, we've been saying every episode we talk about how you can reach out to us. We give our Twitter handles and we've got a Discord. There's a lot of different ways you can you can contact us. And people are starting to do that. And Evan has been on his soapbox about getting a mailbag segment. So we've actually got some some listener questions. So should we should we dive into those? Do a little mailbag segment tonight? Let's do it, yeah. All right. You've got mail. So, question number one comes from Felix, who is the Quebec Nordiques manager in the Listener League. And he asks us, what do you think about prospects in the American Hockey League? So, Felix, that is a broad question. Uh, so speaking broadly, I think we're seeing a shift towards younger players being more impactful than ever in the American Hockey League. Not just this year, but like a, a trend that's been brewing and, and, and continuing in that direction. I think it's the result of improved coaching and development at lower levels. You got more and more hockey schools and, and skills coaches that are available to prospects now than then and i think it's starting to pay off and these these players are really honing and refining and developing their skills at a much younger age and they're they're maturing skill wise sooner than than the, you know players that did 10 or, or 20 years ago i don't think i'm saying anything here that's revolutionary but just look at the top of the scores in the american hockey league now looking at the at the leading scores and so many of them are younger top prospects now as opposed to veteran AHL tweeners guys that are like in their 30s you've got um, Arshdeep Baines leading the league with 16 points I believe he's a Canucks prospect Yuri Kulich Logan Stankoven Maverick Bork are all tied with 13 points Josh Y has 12 points and so on and so on and so forth so I guess speaking broadly speaking about what do I think about AHL prospects I think it's it's a it's a developmental league for sure. And I think you're seeing younger players come in and make an impact sooner. And I think they'll have, you know, one in one or two years and then they're done um, for the top producing players, depending on roster blockers on their NHL roster. And who was it that that did that tweet recently, Victor, that talked about the importance of of having an immediate impact in the NHL on their career? And he had a whole bunch of he does the little stat cards that you talked about oh hockey prospecting byron bader byron bader thank you so much yeah byron did did a lot of like statistical research and, and empirical data collecting on this and you know it, it matters having good production in your first year as a rookie in the american hockey league is in terms of your your fantasy value projecting to the nhl 
So those are some of my thoughts on what's going on in the American Hockey League right now. I think we're going to have to get a, a guest on in a future episode here to, to dive a little deeper into some prospects who are off to hot starts. What's your what's your take on that question, though? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I, I, I believe I've said that before, too. Like the, the AHL production, if it's someone who's, you know, like their third year in that league or they're 22 or three, it's not as impressive or important. It's really impressive when you have these guys that are doing it in their first AHL season. You mentioned some of them with Stankoven and Wah. And there's a couple other names that I would mention too, especially some that maybe we wouldn't we wouldn't think about as much, like Danil Gushin. It's not his first year, but he's maybe a lower level prospect that might be available. He has 13 points a night games for a pretty bad Barracuda team. You know, guys like Isak Rosen, who's trying to re- rehab his, you know, potential. Brad Lambert, who we've talked about, and Chibrikov. So there's a bunch of guys that, you know, I'm not saying all these guys are going to be amazing, but it definitely should raise your eyebrow a little bit more. So when I look at AHL stats and I'm trying to figure out who who's impressive and who I should care about, I usually try to limit it to the to the younger players. And when it's someone who's, you know, in their mid-20s, I don't think you should hold as much stock in it because the likelihood that they have a lot of runway to continue to impress or improve at the NHL level is probably a little bit low. But I do agree with you. COVID changed some things that allowed, uh, that that showed that these younger players can, can not always, but sometimes hack it in this very, very difficult league. And when they do, it's super impressive. Yuri Kulik is probably one of the most impressive that we've seen in a long time. And he should really be on the Sabres, I would say, because he's been destroying the AHL since she started last season as a 19 year old. So I, I definitely think it's a, it's a league to pay attention to because most equivalencies have shown that it's, it's surpassed the KHL. It's the second hardest league in the, in the world to score in. And that should raise eyebrows if it's a young player. All right. So the next question we got is from uh, Justin, the Iser plan. And he asks us for redraft leagues, who are your favorite buy low forwards off to slow starts? Well, Dustin, I'm not in any redraft leagues. I'm in dynasty only full keeper leagues. So I don't really have any initial thoughts on that. Who jumps out in your mind, Victor? Yeah, well, there's a few. And one thing that I would recommend, Dauber's got some great tools. If you go over to Frozen Tools and you just click on some recent trends, hot cold players, you can isolate the cold players. And then you have to do a little bit of work to see who's getting the right opportunity, who's getting a lot of time on ice, but just getting unlucky. But Barrett Hayden is someone I would say is, you know, he's between Schmaltz and Keller and he has zero points in 11 games. I mean, it's actually quite incredible that those other two guys are practically point per game and he has zero. (laughs) It's really like that either has to turn around or they're going to demote him or something's going to happen. Like he's not going to continue. So he's someone, Barrett Hayden, that you might want to look into. A lot of the other guys that are interesting are injured, you know, so you have to see if maybe you can add someone and stash him you know someone like i know connor brown jonathan Druin didn't quite get it done but you know maybe you stash those guys maybe they heal up and maybe they get a better opportunity i mean who knows right so other guys like morgan frost who apparently john tortorella thought he liked and then didn't like so i don't know what's going on with that one capo who's been getting some pretty good deployment and hasn't really been able to show much for it I know you said forwards, but John Klingberg is someone who continues to get good opportunity and hasn't really done much with it. Tyler Pertuzzi's in that in that camp as well. 
We also have Yusuf Parsonen, who is someone who had a really good breakout last season. So far this season, just three points in 11 games. But I, I do think he's someone who can improve upon that. A lot of these are a little bit, you know, lower down the lineup. Zach Benson, maybe you could add him. And he's injured right now. And when he comes back, maybe there's something there. So I would recommend looking at the cold page and kind of just seeing who maybe is maintaining a good, good deployment, but is just getting a little snake bit. And you can also look at advanced stats and just look at, you can um, track stats by their PDO and guys that have incredibly low PDO are probably going to rebound. And so that's a good thing to look at too. If they're getting incredibly unlucky, low shooting percentage, you can just track the stats based on those numbers and you can expect things to rebound. So that's a good strategy if you're looking for someone a buy low. Good research tips. Just looking at my own rosters that are dynasty, not not redraft, but um, pretty disappointed with Nazem Kadri, Dawson Mercer, not to put too fine a point on it for my own leagues. And I don't know if you'd consider him a, a, a redraft player, but Matty Beniers is also was also off to a slow start. So those those three players in, in variety of leagues that I'm in that are that are dragging me down. All right. So the next question comes from Patrick. And he asks us, how much research have you done on the 24 draft? And which D do you think has the highest offensive upside? Well, that's a great question. I haven't done a lot of uh, research on the draft, particularly myself. Haven't had an opportunity to watch too many of the, the draft eligible players. But off the top of my head, We've had a couple comments on some recent episodes. We've done, you know, we did the Q today and we've done the O and the Dub. And so we've talked about a couple of players from, from those episodes that are defensemen that are their early round top fantasy prospects. Sam Dickinson, either, sorry, Carter, Yakenchuk. Um, we haven't had the Russian leagues on, but Artem Lashunov is a name that's come up a couple of times on episodes recently. And another player I'll be interested in watching closely that I think might get some some name recognition here soon is is Cole Hudson, the younger brother of Lane Hudson. He's got nine points through his first 13 games at uh, the U.S. National Team Development Program roster. And uh, next year, he'll be going to Boston University to either replace his brother or join him. I, I have to think that after two seasons of dominating the NCAA, Lane's going to be ready to move on. But staying next year and playing with his one season with his brother, that can be very persuasive. We'll see what happens there. So those are just three quick names off the top of my head. Victor, you got any any D who are jumping out at you? Yeah, and I and I love that take. I think it's interesting with Cole, Cole and and his brother. I think it's interesting because they kind of play the same position. So I wonder if Lane moves on to help his brother because if they're both there, they might feed into each other's opportunity as fun as it would be I, I don't know if that's best for both of them so I, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out but I, I totally agree with that one and um, I've heard people say some people think that Cole Hudson is even better than Lane so you know mm -hmm. that not everybody agrees with that but certainly I've heard some people say it and that's that's pretty exciting because obviously Lane was pretty fantastic Cole is also really young I, I love to look at that because I think that can really matter the other one that really sticks out to me is Adam Yerichek. remember he's David Yerichek's younger brother and David was really old for his draft class he was very physically mature and he was he was playing really well in the professional league Adam is really young for this class he was basically right at the end of June so 
just a couple months away from being eligible for next year's draft. But he's also big. Well, he's 6'1", 152 pounds. He's a little lean, but he's already playing in that same professional league. He hasn't scored yet. He has zero points in 14 games, but he's playing pretty decent minutes. And he's, you know, playing in a really, really difficult league. The Czech League is one of the highest equivalency leagues we have. So it hasn't really popped off yet, but he's playing at a super high level. So I think you you can't really hold that against him. And I think he has, he, he might be better than his brother. And his brother has already shown how incredible, incredible he is and how good he's been very early in his career so i really like that one i know aaron kibiharyu is another one that's really good he's the probably the top finish prospect in in this draft well him and Kansa hellenius uh you didn't ask about forward so we won't have to talk about him but but uh, kibiharyu is one of the more offensively dynamic forwards and then the other one is anton siliev and i think his his name is appropriate because Siliev reminds me of like how silly it is that he's six foot seven and 210 pounds. The guy is enormous and he can skate and he's mean. So he, he's one of these guys that just has all the tools. Maybe it isn't all come together yet, but if it all works out, you know, and you have a Zidane Chara type, then of course you're laughing all the way to the bank, but it also might not. And <laughs> he might just be Tyler Myers or something, you know? So there's some really interesting D. We mentioned a couple of years ago how there was the was 2022 was the year to take D, and this is another one. 2024 is going to be a good defensive draft. So there's a lot of good names. It's hard to say who the top is right now, but there's like I don't think you can go wrong taking a defenseman fairly high in the draft because there's going to be a lot that have really high upside. All right. Well, that's that's our last question for this episode. If you've got questions for us that you would like us to read, we'll we'll make this a regular end of every episode segment. If if you're interested, you can shoot us uh, messages at DPR underscore show. That's our Twitter account here at DPR underscore show. Mine is at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. Victor is at Victor Nuno 12, V-I-C-T-O-R-N-U-N-O. And our producer, Evan Sabrin, Sabrin. 91 is his twitter account so go ahead reach out to us give us a follow chat with us it's all good don't forget to follow the hockey podcast network and all the great podcasts on that channel please subscribe on itunes or spotify wherever you're listening just hit the subscribe button give us a five-star review if you got a minute that'd be super cool we'd love it appreciate it buy a beer if we ever run into you and it really helps the show so that's all we got for this episode everybody thanks for tuning in keep those sticks on the ice Blades of Steel. Let's do that hockey.